Hello, and welcome to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is your one-stop shop for all things nutrition, fitness, and mindset. Our goal is to help you make fitness and nutrition a part of your life, not your whole life. We discuss a variety of topics, including faith, self-awareness, sustainability and consistency, training programs, grocery store navigation, and how to enjoy your favorite foods without guilt or remorse. There is a lot of noise out there in the world of health and fitness, so we're here to provide real, reliable, and practical answers and recommendations that will keep you moving forward on your journey. My wife Ashley and I are your hosts, and please do not hesitate to reach out on social media to say hello, ask questions, or comment on this week's episode. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. This is episode 121. I had to think about that for a second, but uh, I'm here with Ash, and we also have a special guest today, which we're incredibly excited about. So without further ado, I'm going to let you, Nicole, introduce yourself and explain a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why you do it. So Nicole, Lucier, take it away. Hey, everyone. Thank you, Dean Ash, for having me on the podcast today. As they mentioned, I am Nicole Lucier, and I'm a physical therapist. I am the owner and founder of Body Emotion, which is my physical therapy practice. And I created Body Emotion about a year ago, um, primarily because I was working in a corporate outpatient setting for you know a totality of like 10 years. And picture this, you guys, you're a performance-based athlete, you're a barbell athlete, you're, you're having aches and pains, so you go to physical therapy, and you know you walk in and aide asks you if you want heat or ice. Then you sit there for 10 minutes, and then the aide says, oh, go hop on a bike, and you ride the bike for 10 minutes as a quote-unquote warm-up. And then your physical therapist finally comes over and says to you, hey, you know, how are you feeling today? And kind of goes to direct you to go do some exercises, but it's kind of like unsupervised exercises. You're kind of doing stuff that doesn't resemble what you would typically do in the gym. Um, your therapist comes back over and checks in on you, but is also writing notes and talking to several other therapists or patients at the time. And then finally you get like 10 minutes, maybe of one-on-one -on -one time with your therapist. And then you go back on heater ice. And then you go home with a piece of paper with exercises that you're supposed to do on your own. And you come back to see your therapist in a couple of days. And that was my life for like three years as I was practicing physical therapy. And I felt very unfulfilled. And I felt like the quality of care just wasn't there. It wasn't what I thought physical therapy was going to be. So I took that and I created literally the complete opposite of that. And that's what body in motion is today. It's literally the complete opposite. It's one-on-one -on -one care built for athletes. We work for athletes, for performance-based athletes. Um, and it's just a more effective and efficient way to treat. And we have great outcomes. So that is kind of my story. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that story. It, and the the scenario you explained, I think we were both athletes. And so we can attest that that is exactly what happens if you're in an outpatient 
setting for anyone who hasn't been to physical therapy. That's actually one of the reasons that I decided not to pursue physical therapy because after I spent a month doing that, I was like, fuck this place. (laughs) (laughs) I don't blame you. Honestly, like it's so quote unquote normal to be a new grad coming out of school and thinking that, you know, you have to see three, four patients at a time that you have to work in this big corporate entity. And I thought it was normal until I started working in that field for three, almost four years and thought, this isn't what I went to school for. Like, this isn't what I have a doctorate degree to do. Just like sit here, write notes and watch people do exercises that are kind of meaningless. It just felt crazy to me. So I hear you. I'm the first to admit that traditional physical therapy does not work. Yeah, absolutely. And I know I had, I have a really good friend who, in fact, he had the exact same experience, graduated deep with his DPT and then got his first job. And I remember calling him like six months later and he's like, dude, I, I might've made a mistake. Like, I don't think this is what I want to do. And fortunately now he's at the Olympic training center and he's been to both Olympics this past year and he's living the, living a really awesome career in life. Uh, but he had that same like scary experience of I just spent all this time and all this money into something that I might not want to do. Yeah, it's crazy. So glad that instead of like being in my sorrows that I decided I'm going to change this. I'm going to like change the the dialogue about like what physical therapy is. So here we are. Body yeah. in motion. That's awesome. And I love that you had like the the audacity and the courage and like the willingness to take that risk. That's super cool. Uh, take us back to undergrad before you got, went to physical therapy school. What, what degree were you pursuing? Was it related to exercise science or kinesiology? And then at what point did you say, okay, physical therapy is something I want to pursue? Yeah. Um, so, uh, as I mentioned, I have like 10 years of total experience. So I was working in a physical therapy clinic all throughout high school, like all four years of high school, I worked in a physical therapy clinic. So I knew that I really liked that. And that, that path just kind of came into my life. It was really random. I had never gotten injured. Um, I was always a dancer, but like not a true athlete. Um, so I just landed in physical, in a physical therapy clinic as like a high school job and I loved it and I've always loved movement. So it just felt right for me. So when I went to college, no one in my family has any kind of medical background. They're all like business people. So I thought like, should I go to school for business? Um, so I was very much undecided. I have like a very, very like random paths. So I started at Quinnipiac university in Connecticut and I went for health sciences, but I didn't completely apply to the PT program. Like looking back on it, I should have probably just applied directly to physical therapy because if you don't, then you have to go take the GREs and apply again and go through the whole grad school process. But so I went for health sciences, not really knowing like would I pursue physical therapy, would I do nursing, would I go into business and switch my major. Um, So that was kind of the path I pursued. And then I had a great advisor who helped me just like stay at Quinnipiac. And I, I basically like my second year of college, I just decided I'm definitely doing physical therapy. Like this is my calling. Um, I love movement. I love exercise. So it, it just worked out. That's awesome. I think it's, and I would say you had like a very unique story in the fact that you had all that experience prior to, and then when you got there, you still were considering like, which ways should I really go? Whereas I feel like a lot of pre-PT students are, okay, I'm going to go kinesiology or exercise science. I'm going to become a physical therapist, even though I have no prior really experiences in it. 
and just become a bookworm for the next seven years because that's really what you have to do. And then mm-hmm. you end up, you know, with this DPT and then you go into practice. So I think it's cool that you had a different different background and a different story for your journey. Yeah, it worked yeah. out. <laughs> and now just out of curiosity, because I have seen it so many times with all of our friends, how was the transition from your undergrad where it's kind of like, OK, I can just study and get this shit done. It's not that bad to PT school and realizing like, holy shit, I just got kicked in the teeth by this kind of heavily regimented, you know, education. It was awful. (laughs) If I'm being honest, like, oh God, it was so stressful. So stressful. I had to learn how to study like all over again. Like it's not simple whatsoever. There's so much being thrown at you. But, and it was like the most miserable three years of my life. But I have to say it's created, it's built up so much resiliency and mindfulness and organizational skills in within me that I feel like I could take on anything that the world brings me now because grad school, physical therapy school is a beast. So uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but like my health and fitness and diet was not a priority. It was definitely like the lowest point in my life. Um, just because I'm, I wanted to do well in school and all I cared about was getting good grades, being a bookworm studying, but I mean, we got through it. And I think the the key was just having like a really good support system helps a lot. And like finding, finding that way to study and finding like that way to figure out like what works for you and getting into like a routine and a regiment. And I think like having that experience too makes me more um, understanding of other people's perspectives. Now looking back on it, like now working with busy moms or working with people who have like a really hectic, stressful life. Like I get it because at one point in my life, I did feel that way. So it was a lot. Absolutely. And that was going to be my next question was, you know, how were you able to balance school with your relationship with your health and fitness and your social life and I know from what you just described and what I've talked to a lot of our friends about is you didn't balance it it's kind of you just put all your eggs in one basket yeah unfortunately I'm I'm afraid to admit that that's what it was I was lucky enough though to I liked I, I taught fitness classes spin classes yoga classes in grad school so because that was my job on campus, it kind of forced me to go into the gym and it forced me to step away from the library, step away from the books, which I'm so grateful for because it it got me moving. And had I not had that obligation, I probably wouldn't have moved my body like I do now, like I wanted to. And, you know, having having a coach at the time probably would have been a smart thing to do because it was really hard to balance. And I felt all over the place. It's just, I don't think you can really even conceptualize how crazy it is unless you're in that position, but (laughs) you kind of figure it out. Yeah, for sure. And isn't it so interesting that all of the, the specialties and the degrees that are related to health and sciences and nutrition and fitness are all the ones that require you to truly just abandon all of that during (laughs) the actual education phase of it in order to achieve the degree or the the certification that you need in order to practice in the real world. It makes no sense. <laughs> it, is, it is ass backwards. Yeah, for sure. I mean, my sister's in PA school right now. And even though it's a year shorter, she just was telling us, she's like, 
I've gained like 10 or 15 pounds. Like I like, I'm not able to do all these things that I used to do to keep myself fit and healthy. And I know a lot of our experiences were that way. So it's just, it's crazy how we are intended to utilize this information to take care of other people, but you can't take care of yourself in the process. Yeah. It's really, really sad. And I mean, I think we probably, I, if looking back on it, you know, hindsight's always 2020, I easily could have done a better job. I easily could have gotten into a routine. I was actually talking to um, a girl at the gym the other day, who's just starting PT school. And she's like, did you have trouble? Like staying regimented at the gym? <laughs> of course, like, yes, I did. But you know, it comes back to just like finding a healthy routine and finding what works for you. Looking back on it, I would have probably redone a lot of that and just had a better mindset about things, but it's all about growth too. I feel like that experience has helped me grow so much and helped me learn like how to balance stressful times in life, how to balance a hectic schedule. So that season of life was very challenging for me, but it's also presented such a learning experience. So now, like I said before, I feel like I could handle any type of stressor now. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and there's always value in, in the experience. Uh, now, prior to our conversation today, I definitely did my homework on you. I like to just stalk everybody. <laughs> And he so does. that's what <laughs> these, next, these next few questions. Yeah. You were probably like, this dude's a creep. Uh, <laughs> next few questions I'm asking because I dug through all of your shit and I'm like, okay, let's, let's dive into some of this. So the first question is when did you get into yoga and were you practicing during that season of life? Like during your undergrad and, and PT school uh, and how did that all come about? Cause you had a oh, lot of yoga shit yeah. on your Instagram way back in the day. Yes. Oh my God. I'm so glad you stalked. Um, so this is kind of like the evolution of it all. So as I mentioned, I was a dancer all throughout like my younger life. When I went to college though, I had like no, no way to be active. I didn't know what to do because I only knew dance. I never weight trained or did yoga or anything like that. So in college, I had a really unique opportunity to travel abroad to Bali, Indonesia and they were offering um, like a yoga, a yoga immersion trip. So we got certified to teach yoga and we did like this whole immersion trip all like for a summer semester. So I did that my sophomore year of college and it kind of changed everything. And it really did help me with mindfulness. It helped me like understand myself better and it helped me get back into movement again. Um, dance is like a very like mindful flowing like story and and into the type of movement that you do and I kind of felt like yoga was that for me like it brought that back for me because it was an, another like mindful way to move it was flow like a flow and I just felt really good doing it so I got into that um like my sophomore year of college and it totally helped me decompress with like the stress of college and just the change of life so i practiced yoga i started teaching yoga it became a job that i had on campus and i in grad school oh i i because i have this entrepreneurial mindset i decided you know i don't want to teach classes anymore if i'm just teaching classes i can do this on my own i can form a little community and so i started subleasing a yoga studio and taught my own classes and my yoga on my Instagram all the way back in, I don't know, what was it like 2015 was CT because I'm in Connecticut CT yoga with Nicole. Like that was my Instagram handle. Um, and I used Instagram as like marketing for my yoga studio. So 
that's kind of where all of that stemmed from. And I still practice yoga pretty regularly. I'd say like once a week, I'll practice and go to studios. I don't teach anymore just because I don't have time for that with everything else. I can't make time to teach, but yeah, that's how my yoga story has evolved. So I'm glad you did some digging there, Derek. That's so cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, now you're making yeah. me look like more of a creep because you said 2015. So people are like, holy <laughs> shit, how many scrolls did that take to get down to 2015? It took a lot of scrolls. A lot of scrolls, uh, Derek. <laughs> a lot of them. Uh, but through that process, I also saw that your Instagram, it was really interesting because, and this is with anybody, but if you dig back far enough, it always goes through these evolutions. And yours was yoga. And then all of a sudden it turned to like all pictures of food. And I was like, what the hell has happened? And <laughs> no. so then I started reading more captions and I was like, oh, okay, she's obsessed with meal prepping. So then when did that start? <laughs> I love this. So, okay. So my, my yoga Instagram, I just stopped doing it because I became a physical therapist. Like after grad school, after I stopped teaching, I just like forgot about my Instagram totally. And, um, so flash forward, it's 2020 and I get furloughed because, you know, the pandemic happened and I, uh, I love to work and because I couldn't work, I'm like, well, what am I going to do with myself? So I have a passion for health, which kind of jump started. The catalyst was grad school. Like when I didn't have health in my life, I was like, I need that. So my passion is health, obviously being a physical therapist, my fiance, Justin's passion is personal finance. And together we've kind of meshed and molded those two passions as one passion. And we really just like bond over those two things. So in 2020, I created a blog called the healthy profit. And basically the whole thing was um, how health and wealth are related and how like that mindset, like if you're the, the wealthy mindset is so, so closely related to the healthy mindset. Like you really need that same mindset in both avenues. So um, him and I would like have riveting conversations together. I would write blogs about about just that, how health and wealth is connected, write about health topics, wealth topics, and really started to like take on meal prepping because this was a time where I was, before I got furloughed, I was working like 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. in a physical therapy clinic and a corporate clinic. And I would come home and just have pasta. I'd go out for lunch. Sometimes I wouldn't have breakfast because I'd be rushing to work and rushing at work and just didn't have time. So with your to answer your second part of the question with the meal prep thing, I thought to myself, well, I really want to just get into a better routine and get healthier in terms of like my nutrition. I wasn't necessarily always choosing the like more processed options, but I wasn't choosing like the most wholesome options because I was having again, a hectic schedule. So that's kind of where food prepping, meal prepping came into my life. I thought, all right, well, this is going to help me just have a better routine in my work life. So I'll prep foods, I'll bring them to work, then I'll prep them. So when I come home at 8 p.m. from work, I have something ready. So I'm not just reverting to pasta because it's easy. And um, that's kind of where all that stemmed from. And because I was blogging, I figured I'd share my journey with the world. So there we go. I rebranded CT Yoga to Nicole with Nicole to a healthy profit. And I just kept it the same Instagram go growing, but just changed my Instagram handle like three times now. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I mean, you already have an audience, so why not just yeah. change the handle and adapt the content? And exactly. That was going to be another question I had, which I don't even know if I wrote it on the outline, but 
I was wondering where the finance came in because I did see a lot of that as well mm -hmm. at one point during all the, the food pictures that you were posting. And I thought I'd be willing to bet her boyfriend, husband, fiance, I didn't know at the time mm -hmm. was involved in that in some way because it's not normally do you find someone who's really invested in health, fitness, and nutrition and then also like specializes in finance. So I figured there had to be another side of the equation there. Yeah, so he works in um, investment management and just always has had like beyond like the institutional finance that he does has always had like a passion for personal finance, like in personal investing, saving, um, just saving money and all that good stuff. So when him and I moved in together, like I kind of took that passion on and I was like, well, I want to know this. Like, I want to get into this. If we're going to share finances at some point, like I want to have a say in all of this and really understand it. So him and I would just have a lot of conversations about it. And I started to realize like this mindset that he was kind of teaching me is so similar to the mindset that I was teaching my patients and clients. Like, okay, you know, consistency, it, you can't kind of get wealthy overnight, just like you can't build strength overnight. And, you know, even the concept of like this basics work, like the sexy stuff isn't always the stuff you need to do in the gym, right? Same thing with investing and with finance, like sometimes just keeping it simple and investing in the total broad stock market versus like pick and choosing stocks, day trading, like even though that stuff is quote unquote sexy, it's not always effective as just buying and holding is um, in terms of like investing. So I, I started to connect the dots and thought, well, if I can understand the mindset of health, then I can totally understand this and connect it with personal finance. And I really got in, involved in it. And like I said before, like Justin was really into the finance thing, but he took on the healthy mindset that I had and he was involved in the personal finance stuff. And so I took on that mindset and we've kind of just become one with it all. And it's really cool because we've taught each other so much along, like we've been together for 10 years now. So we've kind of really taught each other everything that we each know. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. And I think it's something too that, and this is stereotyping folks, but it's okay. okay. Most people who are like fitness fanatics don't always know a lot about finances. And most people don't know a lot about finances because it's not something that everybody talks about. But I think it's cool they're able to mesh the two worlds because that connection you made with the mindset and the similarities is very true. And it's something that even as I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm like, Oh yeah, why didn't we just think of that five years ago before we like finally invested in Roth IRAs and like mm -hmm. started looking into like how to make additional investments and not, and avoiding all like you were mentioning the sexier stuff like day trading stocks and buying individual stocks and shit that's way over our head and we don't need to do <laughs> when there are more just practical, realistic, and I don't want to say safe but effective options that you can utilize. So I love that, that, uh, connection that you made there with both fitness and investments. I'm curious, are these blog posts still live? Cause I'm super interested in going and reading them. That's awesome. Actually, no, I, I took the website down just because I didn't really want to focus it on anymore, but I do have the blogs that I can send to you. Dude, I would yeah. love to read them. Or it just takes about 37 scrolls with your finger yeah. and yeah. you'll get to the post. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you could just be a total stalker, Ash. Yeah. <laughs> Derek yeah, will teach you. It's not that hard. I'll show you how yeah. to do it. Uh, okay, awesome. Well, to g last question before we get back to physical therapy and body emotion. Sure. During all of your, your meal prepping, healthy profit days, 
I saw at one point, now this is really stalker because I had to read a lot of captions. I saw at one point you were like, hey, I'm just going to go plant-based for a little while. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what sparked that decision and how was that experience overall? Do you love how crazy my journey is? So Justin and I were watching, I forget, it was this ridiculous documentary on Netflix and it, it made me like panic. Was it Game Changers? Oh, we watched that one. It might've been that one. We watched like three of them and they all made me panic that I like, I have a lot of history of cardiovascular disease, high cholesterol in my family. So I was thinking, and Western medicine sucks, my doctor. So I talked about it to my doctors and they were like, yep, avoid all animal products. It will ruin your cholesterol. You know, it's already getting high. I'm like, how do I have high cholesterol if I exercise regularly? And I, I, you know, okay, is it that, you know, I eat healthy. Is it the meat? It's gotta be the meat. And like, so I panicked myself. So I, th- I thought to myself, all right, I'm going to do like four weeks of this plant-based lifestyle and see if I can even tolerate it. See if maybe my gut likes it. Not a fan, not going to lie. <laughs> not a fan. I, you know, if, if a client or a patient were to tell me that they do it and I have, you know, a handful of people that I know that are plant-based vegan, um, that's great. That's, you know, some people do it for more ethical reasons. Other people do it, you know, for the humane stuff. Um, I personally am never going to go down that route again, just because I've learned now that there's nothing wrong with animal products. And that's not the reason why I have minorly high cholesterol at a very young age. I think that it was something fun to try and to understand like why other people do it. Um, it was a cool piece of my journey, but definitely like very hard for me to get enough protein in my diet that way. And I know it's possible, but just doing it for four weeks, like cooking tofu is hard. You guys, (laughs) it is not easy to press that shit. Um, So it just, it it just wasn't for me. And I, I, like I said, I like that I went through that journey and kind of figured it out, but it just, I'm eating my animal products. I'm having my eggs and chicken. That, that brings me some peace of mind. Cause I'm not going to lie. I saw that and I go, I literally stopped what I was doing. I had like my AirPods and I took them out. I'm like, Ash, like this girl went plant-based. I was like, if she's still plant-based, I don't think we can do the episode. Nope. <laughs> I'm just works. kidding. We, we have clients as well. Like we've worked with people who are, and that's totally cool. That's your decision. Uh, but I just, I saw that and immediately started laughing when I said that to her. And then I said, it's okay though. I saw other posts later on. She had chicken in them. Like, we're good. Yep. We're good. <laughs> and you know, it's so funny because the more I learned and studied the plant-based diet, I found that it's more processed and more junk in the, those foods anyways, because, you know, they have to supplement the nutrients and they have to get like the flavors elsewhere. If you read the labels on some of these plant-based things, like the beyond burgers, the beyond meat, it's chemical driven. It's there's so mm, many ingredients. It's scary. I'm not a fan. I'm glad that that lasted for four weeks and only four weeks. (laughs) And we're going to move on from that because we could go into like the whole rabbit hole that people are crazy about that debate, like plant-based versus animal products. So we're not going to get into that. We won't get into Uh, any. But to get back to physical therapy and body emotion. So went through PT school, following PT school, did you pursue any specializations? And if so, what were those? Um, I wouldn't say specializations, but I did get a dry needle certification. So once I ended 
PT school, um, I stopped teaching yoga and exercise classes because I really wanted to focus on the profession and like learning as much as I can. And every year we need a certain amount of continuing ed courses. And I had read a lot of research showing that dry needling really works and that it is really effective for clients. My boss had taught me a lot about it. So I did that. I did um, the two levels of certification for that training and kind of added that into my repertoire. And aside from that, just been working with athletes. Like when I was working in a corporate location, obviously I would get the whole gamut, young kids, I'd get older adults, I'd get middle-aged women, um, weekend warriors. And I really found an affinity for working with athletes. And after grad school, you know, I know we talked about my journey with yoga, but I decided that yoga was great, but I also wanted to do a lot more strength training for myself. So I started lifting weights. I started kind of like powerlifting, bodybuilding and doing all that in the gym. And I taught myself a lot of that based on what I knew from physical therapy and my own research that I've done. And I loved working with those athletes in the clinic. They just have like such mental grit and they have such a willingness to get better. So I took that up for myself. And I, ever since I started taking on more of those clients in the corporate location I worked in, I just decided this is my niche. These are the people, these are my people. I love this for me and I love this for them. So, um, it's kind of just something I've studied ever since. Very cool. No, I think, and I think that makes a ton of sense, right? We all, we like to work with people who are similar to ourselves Mm -hmm. because we like who we are. We get it. At least most of us do and we get it. And I completely agree with what you're, uh, speaking about with athletes having that that mindset and the being a little more driven a little more dedicated to the process and to recovering or just prehabilitating what may be limiting them in some way in their performance and you already mentioned this earlier about sort of the catalyst behind body in motion and really trying to create the antithesis of everything that was outpatient in like the corporate setting was there anything that you enjoyed, though, about that corporate setting, outpatient corporate setting? Or was it all like, hey, I need to create something better. I need to get out of here. Um, <laughs> I didn't really necessarily enjoy anything in particular, except like the relationships with patients. But, you know, I'm and, and that's something I'm still doing, but just better. Um, I'm like such a people person. I love to talk about people and really uh, talk to people and really get to know them on a deeper level. And, you know, I could do that in the corporate setting because I was seeing so many people. I was meeting so many people. I was forming great networks with this local community where I was working. But I felt like because I had so many patients on my caseload, I could only delve into their life so much and only get to know them so much. So that's why I decided to create this one-on-one model. But I think that was like the best part of the job back then is just because I had so many people that I was seeing every day, just networking and, and forming that community, that little community of, of people in my local area. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. I think, and that's something I think a lot of coaches can relate to as well. If they're in a gym working for somebody else and you're sort of just pumping people through the classes, you do get to network a lot. You do make a lot of relationships, but you don't get to dive as deep into them. If you were to say, be personal trainer working with clients one-on-one uh, from week to week. Now we already talked briefly about body in motion and starting that. And I guess I should say founding that. Now, can you just describe a little bit more about like, what is body in motion? What's the mission or the vision for body in motion? Uh, and where does that all stem from? Yeah, definitely. So definitely the mission is to create 
a very welcoming, very motivating environment for athletes where they can feel like they can finally get the answers that they haven't been able to get on their own, or they haven't been able to get from a traditional Western medic medicine, you know, setting physician. Um, so all of our sessions, every single session is one-on-one. -on -one. It's completely individualized. Um, and I support my patients every step of the way. I've created um, a bit of a hybrid model of my practice where I see my patients one time a week. That's truly all we need in person because it's a full hour of one-on-one -on -one care. My hands are on that patient with no distractions for about 45, maybe 40, 45 minutes. And then the other 20 or so minutes we're doing corrective exercises. So, you know, if this is a barbell athlete who's having difficulty with the bench press, we're actually going to do bench pressing and just modify maybe the tempo, maybe modify the range of motion, um, maybe modify their hand placement. Um, so we're not stopping that athlete from doing what they love to do. Um, my, my motto is that I want to keep people's bodies in motion and I want your body to be in motion the way you want it to be in motion. So we do a lot of corrective exercises. We do a lot of hands-on care, manual therapy, and then the rest of the week, um, the digital aspect comes into play. And that's why I call it a hybrid model is yes, I see you in person for a full hour, one time a week, but then the rest of the week, my clients have 24 seven access to me where they can go into our digital app, see all of their prescribed therapeutic exercises, mobility things, um, strength routines, and then follow that, but also communicate back and forth with me. So if they went in, they could watch the video of how I want them to do, let's say, you know, a barbell row and then comment back how much weight did they use? How did it feel? Did what we do in person on Monday translate into their workout on Wednesday? So it's really like full transparency, full communicative, um, full support. It's really like in your face physical therapy because I want my patients to get better. And then as opposed to just saying like, goodbye, you're discharged, have a good life. Um, you know, I offer my clients and patients a maintenance program. So they finished physical therapy with me. They feel pretty good. Maybe they're 90, even hundred percent recovered, but to keep them healthy, to keep them safe and injury-free, I create like a back to sport program for them that they can follow for, you know, a couple months. And then maybe they go off and work with a personal trainer, or maybe they go off on their own, but it kind of keeps them feeling like they can still have a physical therapist in their back pocket. Um, without having to go in for physical sessions all the time. So that's kind of the hybrid model that I've created. And it's just so efficient and effective because of that individualized nature of it. I love that, that you take that approach of taking someone from physical therapy and then returning them to sport. I actually, I had an internship a few times with the old strength coach for the Pirates and it, he opened up his own practice for strength and conditioning, but he partnered with a physical therapist. And so they did a really great job at what you're saying that you do as well is not just like, all right, good luck. Like best of luck when you return to sport, they really guide you and make sure that you're safe moving well. And you have access to that physical therapist as well. I think it makes the world of a difference. Yeah, definitely. And that's something I'm considering like for the future is, instead of me doing all the programming, like hiring a strength and conditioning specialist or having someone come on our team at Body in Motion who can kind of do some of that maintenance program work 
for us and for our clients, because I do think there's something to be said about that. My clients love that. And they love that they're not just on their own because it's scary to be in pain. It's scary to be recovering from an injury. And, you know, there's always that trauma behind it. It's like, okay, I'm done with physical therapy, but am I going to be okay going back to the gym? Like, okay, sure. I don't have pain now, but what if the pain comes back? And it's, it's somewhat comforting to know that you have a physical therapist, you have a strength and conditioning coach, you have like support behind you in case you ever need it. And literally it's they're a click away on our app to say, Hey, I have a question, Nicole, can you help me with this? Like I had a twinge of pain again. So it just feels like good to be able to give my patients like full support. Yeah, absolutely. And to me, it kind of sounds like you, and I don't know if you did this, it sounds like intentionally, but you basically found that white space between a lot of the work that like Kelly Starrett and the ready state protocol does in terms of just using mobilizations to help you move and improve performance. And then a lot of what we do as like fitness coaches of actually training for strength, muscular endurance, whatever it may be, and really sitting in between those two and saying, Hey, we're going to use prehabilitation rehabilitation to get you out of pain, which could include mobilizations and manipulations, et cetera. And then following that, we're also going to coach you through this back to sport program or in the future, you know, maybe it's actual legitimate strength conditioning cycles from another coach. But I really like that you kind of just found that space, created your own thing, your own model, and now you've been able to run with it. Thanks. Yeah. I think that, you know, pain is so multifaceted and it it needs more than just therapeutic exercise. We need more than just hands-on care. We need everyone is so different. Their pain originates from so many different causes. So really diving into like that root cause and looking at all the components. And I kind of consider myself like a holistic practitioner because I don't just look at the ankle. If they're coming in with ankle pain, I try to figure out like, well, you know, how, what does your gait look like? Well, how, what's your, what are your hips doing when you're squatting? What, how's your core strength, not just your ankles. And, and even diving in deeper to that, like, because we have a full hour together, I do talk to my clients about their lifestyle. Like, how are you sleeping? What's your stress look like? Um, you know, what's your nutrition look like? And, and talking to them about all these different pieces, because really we know that what we put into our bodies affects our inflammatory levels. It affects how we feel about our body, it affects our energy. So um, I like to look at all those little lifestyle factors as well. Yeah, I think that's super important. I mean, we do something very similar here. And uh, I think overall it's what every practitioner should be, you know, striving to achieve because it is this really comprehensive, you know, equation that all of these different factors are impacting our ability to perform, to recover, to get ourselves out of pain, et cetera. So I like that you're taking really like the upstream downstream approach, so to speak, uh, both at like the macro level of looking at lifestyle as well as I'm assuming the micro level of, Hey, you're having knee pain. Well, let's look at like the tibialis anterior, some of the musculature in your ankle, like below there, as well as above in the hip and see what's going on. Absolutely. Yep. You nailed it. Awesome. So that pretty much encompasses, I would say like the method of body emotion. I'm assuming that somebody comes in, you're doing initial assessment with them in some way, and then taking them through that process that we just described. Now, um, with all that said to kind of, I don't want to say shift gears, but along these same lines. So the space is super saturated, right? When we're talking about online, whether it's fitness, nutrition, coaching, physical therapy, and life coaching and everything in between. And there are people who like rise to the 
the cream rises to the top, so to speak. And then there are folks who kind of get lost in the sauce. But one big one now that I'd love to ask other physical therapists about, because I feel like his methods are somewhat like controversial because they're different is Ben Patrick, who's otherwise known as knees over toes guy on Instagram, which I'm sure you've probably heard of his name or seen his stuff. What do you think about what Ben's doing and is it good? Is it bad? You know, kind of where's you, where do you fall on that? Cause I would say he's probably the biggest personality right now in the industry. Yeah, he's definitely one of the biggest. He's blowing up. And I have to admit, like, I really like his principles. I think the guy's brilliant. So the the fact of the matter is it's totally okay and safe to, to drive your knees over your toes. And I'll be the first to admit, I was that person teaching aerobics classes, step aerobics classes in, you know, 2011 saying, okay, when you squat, like make sure you sink your heel, your hips into your heel, like don't drive your knees over your toes. And now that I'm a physical therapist, now that I read research articles and, and dive into this stuff a lot more, we need to train knees over toes because if you are, let's say a basketball athlete, chances are you're, you're driving your knee over your toe when you, when you're, you know, playing, when we go up and down stairs, like go up your stairs for a second and you'll notice your knees go over your toes. If you're doing a deep squat, you know, depending on your femur length and everything, most people's knees go over your toes. So it is a normal daily thing that we do. And what I tell a lot of my patients, whether it be knees over toes or, you know, your, your back rounding, um, or any other kind of controversial topic is I tell my patients, if you don't train that position under load in a controlled environment, your body can't really respond well to it in a functional day-to-day life. So if you can train, um, I think he calls it like the Patrick step or something where, you know, where your heels are elevated and you're driving knees over toes, you're strengthening your quads that way. Um, if you can train under load in that controlled environment, then it really will translate into daily functional life. So I I do like his principles. I really do. I think he's brilliant in the fact that he does look above and below the chain. He works. I think he does like seated good mornings. He does tib raises. Um, He does deep um, like short lunges or deep squats. I don't know all the lingo he uses because he calls his exercises, you know, something different. Um, He's definitely really good at marketing. He's definitely really, really good at, um, showing things in like a sexy way, but you know, things that I've been doing as a physical physical therapist forever, but because it's cool and he has crazy mobility, like that's why he's a huge figure on social media right now. But I will say he's brilliant and he definitely knows what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I love him as well. I actually did Mm -hmm. his zero program, which is like his first program in a phase of three or in a cycle of three to help like with knee rehabilitation. And I mean, I've done all kinds of stuff because I had bilateral partial tears in my quad tendons. And so, yeah, it was terrible. And so I couldn't squat, Jeez, lunge, run. I couldn't do anything for years and years and years. And I did some traditional physical therapy work. I worked with my friend I told you about at the top of the episode and did a lot of eccentric work, a lot of isometric work to get that tendopathy, tendinopathy to get kind of restructure that in some way. And it helped. But then I did Ben's program. And I was semi-skeptical because I was like, all right, we'll, we'll see how this goes. I physically can't put myself in some of these positions because of the pain. And within 12 weeks, I was significantly better, not 100%. And now I'm finally to the point again where I'm able to squat. I'm able to lunge and do a lot of this without pain. And so I'm not saying it was all his program, 
But I really, like you said, I love the approach he takes and really addressing upstream, downstream of the knee specifically because that's what he focuses on. And then his willingness to train in ways that most people either thought were taboo or weren't willing to try. And in a lot of ways, like tip raises have been around forever. But now all of a sudden everybody's doing them again because Ben was out there doing them and he can dunk a basketball on TikTok, right? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I guess it just takes someone like him to make the world realize that like the simple things do work. (laughs) Yeah. And I listened to a podcast with him and Kelly Starrett recently and it was hilarious because, well, number one, they're both geniuses. So I love the podcast. And then two, Kelly was kind of joking, but in a semi-serious way saying, I've been working with these CrossFit Games athletes for years, if not decades, and can't get them to do elevated pigeon pose. And then you come out here and do it on a bench and then dunk a basketball in the same video, and now everybody's doing elevated pigeon. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like you said, he's a brilliant marketer Mm -hmm. because making it a little bit sexier is showing, even if you're not a basketball player, you're like, well, I'd like to do that, right? Like it's just, it's a different way, a different voice. And that's how all coaching is. Same coach can say the same cue a thousand times to an athlete, and all it takes is one other practitioner or one other coach to say it a different way, and boom, the light bulb goes off, and you're making positive change. So I think I'm I'm on the very same page as you, and I think Ash is as well. If someone can present the information in a different way, and the intent is to help people, and it actually works, then hell yeah, like keep going, keep crushing. Absolutely. And one other thing I'll say about the reason why I like his program and I think it's really effective is not only does he have that personality and like him himself is he practices what he preaches. So, and he's so good at it that people think like, oh, if I do his program, I'm going to look or, or be flexible or mobile like him. But he has that, that um, program that keeps you accountable. He has the app where you have to go in. I think he, you know, lets you, um, you know, upload videos because he uses the app I use, comments back, you know, he has coaches that are super um, responsive to whatever comments you have. And that aspect, like, is the reason why I think people stay accountable and consistent with the program. And he makes you do it like what, three days a week or something like that. So I think that consistency is the key. And that's why a lot of his people that do the program see the results because not only is it fun and a little bit sexier but he has that accountability factor that a lot of other physical therapists just truly don't have and that's part honestly ben's program is part of the reason why i decided i need a hybrid aspect of this like i need an app where i can keep my clients accountable just like he's keeping his clients accountable because it really is like a missing link in traditional um physical therapy it's the missing link in traditional healthcare is like that consistency. Doctors don't follow up with you. Um, physical therapists don't follow up with you. You know, you're just expected to follow this sheet of paper versus the app keeps you accountable. So I love that about his program and I kind of adopted that for myself. Yeah, that's awesome. And you're right. It's a hundred percent. You're supposed to send the videos to him. Whoever is monitoring the app crushes it because they respond in like less than 24 hours most of the time and provide you with like legitimate coaching cues and feedback. And so I think you're right. The accountability piece is huge. That's something that we harp on all the time uh, with our clients and make sure that we're implementing in our programs. Uh, So I'm glad we're all on the same page there. Uh, Now, getting back to your, your fitness, your nutrition, you had mentioned you've got a lot going on, obviously, with body in motion. You're seeing lots of clients doing a lot of exciting things. What does your personal training and nutrition currently look like? Um, so I do track macros like very loosely. Um, I'm kind I'm just in a maintenance phase. I'm not trying to necessarily like 
gain or lose. I'm just trying to kind of maintain where I'm at right now in this season of life. Like I am, I have so much going on that I can't necessarily focus on like a huge goal on top of like starting a business and running this. Um, so I do track macros very loosely. I focus on a high protein diet, um, and you know, a moderate amount of carbs and fats. Cause of course we need all of that good stuff in our diet. Um, and training right now I have a push pull leg split, and then I do a one full body day and I incorporate cardio, maybe like once or twice a week into that. So I usually exercise anywhere between four and five days a week. Um, mostly doing strength-based work. I love, love strength training. And like I said before, one day I'll, I'll maybe like on a rest day or maybe on that full body day, I'll incorporate some yoga and mobility training, always do a dynamic warm up before all my, um, before all my lifts and, That's basically it. I'm keeping it very simple for myself right now because, you know, I think in every season of life, you need to realize like, well, what can I truly realistically handle right now? And that's really all I can handle right now. And it's working for me. Yeah, absolutely. I love, I know Ash is probably going to say, I love that (laughs) because we talk about seasons of life and seasons of nutrition and training and how not every season you're going to have the mental bandwidth or the physical capacity to do everything you had in the previous season. Uh, and so I think that's really important. Like takeaway for people is you don't have to do it all, all the time. And also it's like, Hey, we literally run businesses that are centered around this stuff and we don't train 24 seven. Like you think we do. Like we, we are very much normal humans who just get in what we can throughout the week, four to five times and just stay healthy. Yeah. I think, you know, some of my patients will be like, you must eat like salad for every meal and exercise every day. You're such a like thin, th- whatever. And I'm like, well, really, I actually eat 2,500 calories a day and I only exercise like four to five times a week. Um, and I lift pretty heavy weights. So <laughs> that's really all you have to do is eat more and exercise, you know, a moderate amount. Yeah, if only that was sexy in marketing, I- we would all be <laughs> way richer. Yep. Yeah, I mean, but now, unfortunately, you have to look like Marcus Philly without your shirt on in order to grow to that point. So I think I gotta, I gotta get a little leaner. Step it up, Derek. <laughs> I know for real. That dude I doesn't have to ha- add like two hours of exercise a day. <laughs> I was gonna say we've talked to Marcus and had him on the show, and I cannot train the amount that he does and look the way he looks. It would be impossible for me. <laughs> impossible i'd rather have a little bit of fluff and enjoy my pizza i agree it's all about balance you guys <laughs> that's right Absolutely. that's right um cool well kind of shit oh did you have something you, are you gonna go, go into those fun questions yeah oh. i have a quick question before going into the fun stuff with body and motion so i know you're opening a new practice in the very near future correct like yes. in person location. Like in three weeks, I'll have my brick and mortar that's under construction open. Oh, that's so exciting. So my question with that is you work with individuals that are only online too, correct? Oh, good question. So yes. Um, so since my clinic has been under construction for the last like three months, I've been doing home visits. So a lot of my patients have home gyms. So we've actually been using their home gyms or just using whatever equipment they have at their, in their home. Um, but in three weeks, I'll basically shift to having no more home visits and having everyone come into my clinic, but I do do remote consults. So I have like a client in Canada. I have a client in California and Hawaii. Um, and so 
I do remote consults and basically that's more of like a wellness based service where I'll address whatever their concern is, kind of figure out like where the pain might be stemming from, watch the way that they move via, you know, our our digital program and give them tips, tricks, and suggestions on where to go next. Maybe I suggest that they go to a physical therapist in person, maybe a chiropractor. Um, maybe I'll give them like a program to follow in terms of like how to recover, follow this. Um, so that's kind of like the only digital stuff for people that aren't local to Connecticut, but if they're local to Connecticut, yeah, my practices, my official brick and mortar is opening in three weeks. That's super exciting. Yeah. I was just curious. I know. I mean, Danielle won't care that we're shouting oh, her name out, yeah. but like I knew oh. that you worked with Danielle a few times. So yeah. I wasn't sure if that was like a one-time thing or something that it happens every once in a while. So, I mean, people can book remote consults as often as they want, but typically if it, it's someone out of state, it's just like a one-time thing. Um, the tips and tricks, the suggestions, they go off and do it on their own. And then they can follow up with me if they need like more clarity. Gotcha. Very cool. Yeah. That was yeah. actually going to be the question I went into before Ash is hinting oh, at like sorry. fun <laughs> questions. Oh. Well, no, not, not exactly what you oh. said, but I was going to ask, you know, we talked about everything you're doing with body emotion. If someone listening was experiencing some pain or couldn't find answers, my question was going to be, can they reach out to you even if they're not local to Connecticut and if so, what does that look like? Which you obviously just explained. Um, so yeah, you two kind of took it took it away from Perfect. me. I wow, feel... I never ask a question. Oh my gosh. I Good feel... job, Ash. <laughs> <laughs> I feel and it empty. was the question. <laughs> I know, I feel empty and defeated. Uh, Good. <laughs> no, yeah. And also, I did listen to your episode on Danielle's podcast. And uh-huh. I listened to that and I... The first like 10 minutes, Danielle says my name like six or seven <laughs> times. And every time it's followed by like a fuck you or something like that. And I'm oh, like, yes? I'm like, oh, OK, so this girl is going to think very poorly of me when we get on this call. <laughs> we know Danielle, though, and she's just, you know. Oh, yeah. No, that she, means she loves you. <laughs> oh, yeah. Usually I get a Usually. voice memo from her at least three times a week with something like, dude, that was fucking cardio. <laughs> Meanwhile, we're doing like, you know, Bulgarian split squats or something. Uh, change of tone of voice for, for her is funny. It's, it's pretty like on point though, I have to say. Yeah, we've spent way too much time together. Uh, okay, so anyway, getting into like some more random questions and really circling back around to a couple things. One, you mentioned your fiance, Justin, which before we even start recording, you said you're going to be taking his name soon. So when is the uh-huh. wedding? Well, the wedding was supposed to be in 2020, but you know, something happened in 2020, you know, the little <laughs> pandemic. So we're getting married July 2nd of this year, 2022. Oh, that's exciting. That is yes. exciting. That's so soon. I know. It's like <laughs> so much on my plate. Did you get, is most of like the big planning done or you're still working on it? Basically. Yeah. We're yeah. having the wedding in Bar Harbor, Maine. So it's kind nice. of like a pseudo destination wedding and most of it was already planned in 2020. So just working out like the small details now. Yeah. We were in that same boat of having a wedding in 2020 and then having to reschedule everything. So we, we feel your pain there. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, we, we're, we're right there with you. But that's super exciting. So my question is, you've obviously got Justin in your life. And then because I stalked you and you're, obs- you're also obsessed with him, you have a dog named Cash. Right? Oh, I'm obsessed with him. Australian <laughs> Shepherd. Right? Yes. So who do you love more, Justin <laughs> or Cash? I mean, Cash, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why I always ask Ashley that because 
She, the way she looks and talks to Coda, <laughs> she has never spoken to me or looked at me like just that. Just different. It's just different. I get it, Ash. I do the same thing to Justin. And last night I said that to Justin. I was like, who do you think I love more, you or Cashy? <laughs> and he's like, well, um, we're like the same person. We both are needy. We both need to like be rubbed and pet and loved and taken care of. And I'm like, yeah, but it's more fun to take care of Cash and love yeah. him. Yeah, that's how I feel every day. We're so terrible. If Justin needs to vent, he can call me up. Well, <laughs> we can commiserate together. Yeah. Uh, side Sorry. side note or t- tangent, I guess I should say. What obviously the dog's name is Cash. Was I correct mm-hmm. in saying? So, and then you said Cashy. So what are all the <laughs> names that you call your dog that aren't its actual name? <laughs> that's a riot. I really only just call him either Cash, Cashy, or Cashy Bashy. <laughs> <laughs> I love Cashy Bashy. Yeah, best, that's, that's pretty best good, one. though. Three, like, we literally, I cannot even explain we to you how many. We call him, like, we go, like, boo-boo, bobby, beep-beep, bobby, doo-doo, like, and just, like, on and on. And if he's cuter, it just gets longer and longer. Yeah. <laughs> and then we also call him Bear, Coda Bear. Bubba. Yeah, he Bubba truly Bear. can't know his name is Coda. <laughs> I was just gonna say when you call Coda, does like does he even know that's his name? I We're honestly sure. have no idea. Yeah, no clue. Okay, well I had to ask that because everybody does that. That's everybody really says funny. Cashy Bashy is definitely the best though. So that should be the new name. Uh and then another random question I have for you is going through and doing all this research, I saw that you and Justin have got to travel to quite a few like exotic locations, which is amazing. And we love tra- travel as well. I've been fortunate enough to go to a lot of places. So all of us are, I would say relatively young. Besides like, you. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> oh. That's so rude. I'm only 31. I have not even peaked yet. Oh, but you're o- o- over 30. Did you hear old. how she said, you're ooh. older than us. <laughs> she, she didn't say, Oh, she said, Oh, Oh, <laughs> Yeah, like she was disgusted by the fact that there was a three in front of my age. Uh, But anyway, how have you and Justin, because we can kind of share our story, but how have you been able to travel to all those places at what many would consider like a young age? And do you have any like tips and tricks or hacks that you can share with anyone listening if if they're the person who always says like next year, I want to go here or one day I want to go there? So yeah, we've been a lot of amazing places and I have to give Justin a lot of credit. He's probably going to listen to this. So good job, Justin. Um, he, we do travel hacking. So, um, like credit card churning, um, we, it's a very intricate detailed way of traveling, but we basically travel a lot on points. Um, and there's like a whole concept called travel hacking. And that's literally what we do. We can't really do it too much anymore because like years ago, like five years ago, the rules and restrictions were a lot less than what they are now. Um, credit cards and banks have really like nailed down and on people like us who they've learned we travel hack. Um, but it was super lucrative for us for a while because all throughout grad school, like we were able to travel to Costa Rica and Hawaii and uh, like Mexico and great, great places. Um, you know, Barcelona all for very, very little costs. So, um, I could give you suggestions, but it would be a whole other podcast about talking about how to travel pack. That's cool. Maybe we'll schedule one of these days. (laughs) 
Yeah, honestly, even like Googling or going on like Reddit and looking up travel hack again, like it's not as much of a thing anymore, but you know, there are so many credit cards that you can get that have great benefits for travel. Like for example, I'll give you a super simple example. We have like the Southwest credit card and um, you have to meet like a minimum spend, which again, we, we do that in a very specific way, but we have what's called a companion pass. So every time I book a flight, Justin gets to fly with me for free. So we do things like that. Um, we have an Amex, which Amex gives really great uh, credit card benefits. We have a Hyatt card, we, uh, Hyatt credit card. We stay at like all Hyatt's and we get like upgraded every single time we stay. It's just so cool. It's so amazing. We like travel basically luxuriously for very minimal price. So it's yeah. been very, we've been very fortunate. Yeah. No, I think that's super cool. And yeah, maybe one day we'll do a, uh, a whole podcast on that. But yeah. uh, it's something that I think you had just your brief example is something that I think a lot of people are either hesitant to do because like I feel like credit cards sometimes get like this bad juju placed on them. But it's a way to really take advantage of some cool opportunities and get not free money, but you're getting opportunities that you wouldn't get otherwise. And all you have to do is just pay the card off that month. Like for you don't sure. have to keep the debt and then you yep. get all the bonuses that go on top of it. We paid for our entire honeymoon, like travel through points. Like, so we were very similar go. to you guys. Like we didn't yeah. have to buy plane tickets to or from Hawaii just because we knew that we could utilize these credit cards to make that happen. So um, yeah, yeah, for, for sure. any, anyone listening, you can check that out. And then if we ever do it in the future, we'll make sure to, uh, to post about it and announce it. But uh, yeah, I think that was the last, like, as Ash would say, quote unquote, fun question. <laughs> Did you have any other questions? I don't think so. Those were nope, fun. I, I like them. One and done. <laughs> <laughs> one and done. Yeah, I, that's your win for the week right it there. Is. I'm adding it to my weekly reflection. <laughs> Ash has what, uh, before we sign up, Ash has a, uh, a five-year journal. And so she basically writes like one thing per day and then you're able to look back each year like what you wrote the year before and the year before that and the year before that and <laughs> it's gonna be like so I asked in question. three years from now she's gonna be like d you'll never guess what i wrote on march what is it fourth 2022 i asked a question on the podcast and you didn't i do write stupid <laughs> shit like that though because i feel like that's the stuff that's funny to remember hey, and look back you, on yes and you gotta celebrate the small yeah. wins let's like go me <laughs> yes i hate you for telling that oh i mean you gotta gotta be tra transparency and authenticity that's all that matters true true uh, yep Awesome. Well, uh, Nicole, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I know I really enjoyed the conversation. I'm sure Ash did as well. Yes. For anyone listening, uh, if they want to find out more about you, uh, what you do, or even book like a discovery call with Body Emotion, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So on Instagram at Body Emotion PT, on Twitter, Body in Motion PT underscore, or on my website, Body in Motion um, And I offer free remote consult. So if you want to hop on a free remote consult, a discovery call, talk more about your aches, pains, just get a little bit more clarity, I'd be happy to help any of the listeners. Um, so definitely reach out. You can also email me. Um, my email is Nicole at bodyinmotionpt.com. Awesome. Well, we will be sure to post all of that in the show notes. And again, thank you so much for coming on today. And hopefully we can have you get on in the near future. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. 
whether this is your first time tuning in or if you're here with us each and every week, Ash and I just want to take a moment to express our thanks and gratitude. We are so incredibly blessed to have your support and we could not continue to show up week in and week out if it were not for you. If you enjoy what you hear in this channel, please head over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, leave a review in there as well. That is how we reach more people and change more lives through the platform. Lastly, if you don't follow us across all of our other social media accounts, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube. Our handles are either ballistic.performance or ballistic performance across all of those platforms. Or you can check us out online at trainballistic.com. Again, we appreciate and love you so much, and we hope you have a fantastic week.